Hey everyone, welcome to the Urban Tech Podcast. I'm John Tomey, the founder of Urban Tech and your guide to the intersection of cities and tech. Hello, happy Monday. First, let me apologize for the delay in the Urban Tech Podcast that is all on me. Unfortunately, as I've been working to put together a paid product and deal with school and a lot of other things, including a very moody puppy, uh, the podcast was something that I deprioritized. But I promise it will be top of mind now and we will be kicking and rolling. Today, my conversation is with Thomas Knights, who is the head of the Metro Project with Strava, the application and fitness community that started as a cycling app, but is now much, much more. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So yeah, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to come and sit down with me for Urban Tech Strava's application and community that I've been a part of. In and out, I will say, I trained for a marathon and I got into Strava and I ended up using the Nike Run Club. So I hope we can uh, still be uh, friends after this, but thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's great to be able to speak to you and your community. And thanks for having me on. So my name's Tom. I work for Strava and I'm part of our Strava Metro project. So I'm based here in London, in England, even though Strava is a San Francisco based HQ with offices in kind of Denver and Bristol. Here in uh, in London is where I'm located. My background's been in software uh, and tech. I have an unhealthy enthusiasm and passion for maps and mapping, but I'm in no way a kind of technical engineer or, or analyst when it comes to geospatial data. But what I am really interested in is how we can create kind of better cities, how we can create safer cities and, and more accessible cities. And I think with some of the work that we're doing on Strava Metro, a for my love of running and exercise and being outdoors ties in really nicely with the data side. Yeah, happy to share a bit more about the project has got to where we are today. Yeah, maybe, and I don't know, some people might not be as like into the health and wellness, like techie side of stuff as us. So maybe explain what Strava is. I think it's more than just a running cycling app. And then maybe explaining how Strava is working with local governments across the world to make our cities and our citizens healthier might bring it home a little bit more yeah definitely so strava is the leading social platform for athletes and really is the largest sports community in the world so to date um what are we now early march we've got around 75 million athletes in around 195 countries in the strava world if you sweat you're an athlete and strava's mobile app and website millions of people um every day um so when people join the strava community strava gives athletes some simple fun ways to stay motivated and and compete against themselves or against others in the community without having to be in the same place at the same time, which has largely really been one of the, the, uh, the kind of uh, reasons for kind of people to really join the community in 2020. Um, as we're all starting to be remote, I think we've really seen the, the world kind of turn to Strava uh, as a way to share their athletic outlet. Every athlete belongs on Strava as well, no matter where they live or what sport they love um, or what device they use as well. So it doesn't matter if you're training for a, a kind of one mile fun run or a 20K or a hundred mile Ironman. We want to have you on the community and, and share your uh, share your activities. In terms of the Metro project, the, bit, the place that I work on. So Metro in its most simplest form is the the data side of, of Strava. Um, okay. So we provide the kind of activity data set to the cities, governments, planners around the world. And the Strava data set largely is the, the kind of one of the largest data collections, sorry, 
The Strava data sets the largest collection of human kind of powered transportation information in the world. So we now provide Strava Metro free of access to cities. And we basically aggregate, de-identify all of these kind of insights from the Strava app and then make sure that they're placed in a, a privacy secure and GDPR compliant method for people to download and understand and really dig into the data. So it's essentially like, you know, it sounds like it's like working with governments to understand how people, quote unquote, which are like the Strava athletes are like moving through systems and like what types of questions are like local governments trying to use like Strava data for what types of problems do they want to answer with it? Yeah. So they kind of, the, what are we trying to, what are we trying to solve? So the, the biggest kind of opportunity for active transportation is making kind of cities healthier and happier places to live, right? So anywhere that's more productive, more sustainable is going to be thriving and be really successful. The trouble is in cities around the world at the moment is that there's no real way of fit, um, collecting a lot of this, uh, a lot of this active travel data set. So fixed counters exist all around the city. So for those that maybe aren't in the world of transportation planning, Lots of cities like London or, or kind of New York or, or large cities will have fixed bicycle counters or traffic cameras in situ in a certain segment on the street. What's great about that is it starts to pick up the number of trips coming through and we can start to see the kind of daily increases and variations. What Strava Metro then helps to do is show you, A, how those trips kind of correlate with the counters, but also then where else are people moving? So it's that kind of qualitative and quantitative data set that um, we're offering because not every edge or street in the cities around the world can have a fixed counter. So by uploading your ride or your run or your walk to Strava, hopefully then providing a bit of kind of civic good back to the uh, community. So we can start to make some of these routes that previously didn't know you had any activities on there a bit more visible. And who are like some of the metros or cities that you currently work with are they are us i'm sure yeah so around i think around the, the last time i looked at the statistic was something like 80 percent of um, activities on strava take place outside of north america we are a, a global community of athletes and our community members everywhere from oceania and australia and new zealand all the way through to the west coast of the united states and, and all across northern europe um, and africa so we've got a really rich data set depending on where you live um, in terms of the kind of customers that have worked with Metro and the partners that have worked with Metro. Transport for London is one of our, our, our kind of longest legacy customers, but we have worked with some of the statewide departments of transportation in the US. So Utah, for example, Texas are, have all been long-term partners of Metro. But since we made it free, we've started to see a really good increase in uh, inbound inquiries and people wanting to get access to this data set um, as well. Yeah, we've grown from being a, a quite a heavy duty enterprise data set, which was paid took a lot of engineering left to get this data out there. It's becoming a free model, which um, allows a lot more kind of partners to come and join the uh, Metro world and start to have a look at all this amazing data. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I'm curious, yeah, and I think something that like I get the sense of is like Strava is trying as it's building the world, it's like helping people realize they're a part of the Strava community, people who probably don't even realize they're athletes, quote unquote, and can get that value. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how the Gov Partnerships team is like a part of that mission and can play a role or maybe how just by making our cities healthier or more active places that that ultimately helps the Strava mission. I don't want to speak too much for what the Strava mission is, though. No, 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 of course. 
But the Strava mission is really to become that the home of your active life. We want to connect athletes to what uh, kind of makes their personal best every day. From the app point of view, if you sweat, you're an athlete on Strava. Now, again, from, from someone who maybe commutes or walks to work every day, they might not consider themselves an athlete. But in the Strava world, if you're doing activity and you're uploading your efforts onto uh, onto the platform, then, then then we really want to see that. And I think what motivates people to stay part of that is, is by by being that Strava community, the, the kind of interactions through kudos or comments or generally, can I say, the competition element of, of, of Strava is really interesting. But from a metro point of view, we obviously want to provide that, that kind of joy back to some of the cities as well. So, like I say, by, by giving access to the active transportation data, people are the original kind of autonomous vehicle and the future of cities is going to be people moving under their own power. So by working with these kind of urban planners and city governments and safer infrastructure advocates and looking at mobility patterns. Yeah, so I think, I think really just to, to, to look at the Strava metro data set, what we want to be able for, to enable cities where they don't necessarily have a lot of bicycle data, pedestrian data, to look at this um, data set, to understand mobility insights and really make active travel part of, of our cities becoming healthier and happier places. And one of the really big kind of missions we want to see is obviously safer and more accessible bicycle lanes, for example. So protected infrastructure is really key to that as well. Got it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm sure, and I've worked with urban planners and people on the gov side before, but I think there's a lot of natural skepticism to data plays and things around that, rightfully. And I think European data standards and the GDPR of it all is obviously a very different mindset for data than probably we have here in the United States. So I'm curious, like, what types of questions are those people asking you? Um, and like, how are you helping educate them to like, work together to make this shared mission go yeah that makes great sense so what kind of questions are the government planners asking us yeah how are questions? you like helping as i don't know you're building this government partnerships ecosystem yeah. within the strava community and i think like a lot of urban planners it's like working with a data sharing company is probably not their first inclination is my sense yeah. so like how do you help educate them and how you can work together to maybe make sh sure our cities are healthier and also the lives of the people who live there are healthier. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a really good topic because I think in the early days of Strava Metro, I think our first customer, I have to check this with the founders, but with something like the Oregon Department of Transportation, who was looking at trail data in the early days of Strava, we had a lot of, I say, trail running athletes, um, really committed community members who were, were perhaps looking for off-road routes. But as the community grew, we started to see a lot more people cycle in urban areas, which is where that metro project was uh, was born. But one of the biggest challenges early on was finding cities and planners that had access to geospatial software. If you think about the, the urban planners and city budgets, it, it's a really difficult space to commercialize. In the early days of metro, it was a commercial product. But also the end user had to be trained in GIS software and had to be trained in geospatial analytics. So we would take a lot of engineering time on our side and cleaning up all the kind of data points and the, the counter data, deliver that as a heavy duty kind of spreadsheet. But where we got to in kind of 2019 was productizing um, Strava Metro. So it's a lot more simple. So one of the big things that we've looked at is how can we 
look at that skills gap within urban planning teams where they don't necessarily have geospatial training and make this data more accessible through data visualization so the metro platform is a really good example of that where you don't need to be a, a kind of technical analyst to, to explore this data it's very much productized and designed by the same kind of strava engineers and straight strava designers that, that got involved in the product of strava itself um, as well yeah no i think that makes a lot of sense and like i don't know I have a feeling, and maybe I'm biased because I live in Los Angeles, where I live among everyone who's like health and wellness focused. So the idea of a government wanting to make us even healthier is something we'd all, most Angelinos would probably embrace. I don't want to speak for like the whole city, yeah. but like, I don't know. It just seems like the culture in Los Angeles and Southern California is a little bit more open to it. But maybe, I don't know, you're in the UK, right? Like maybe like in a place where, I don't know, at least to Americans, you might think it's not as like health conscious of a city or a place, how you're trying to like redefine that. Yeah. There's so many different studies around the world that, that have been done through various different kind of fitness, um, health industry that, that essentially being active is good for you. Getting out of your... Totally agree, by the way. <laughs> Definitely. If you're training for a marathon, you understand that. That, that kind of concept but the joy that you feel from just going for a walk around the block in, about in north america but certainly in, in europe at the moment a lot of us are working from home and there's a kind of phrase walking from home now is, is one of the kind of big things that people can do in their lunch hour and just either going for a run going for a walk and one of the biggest barriers sometimes to that is accessibility to you know sidewalks or pavements as we call them in the uk to to being clear of of, of traffic that's parked up on the side or people parked in bike lanes or delivery drivers perhaps who've stopped off in a kind of cycle lane which makes it difficult and disencouraging sorry it's disincentivizing or just dis not encouraging people to to get on their bikes or perhaps find that joy of being active and so i think the metro data sets helped by the strava community obviously uploading their, their activities can help remove a lot of those kind of barriers to, to wanting to get out and be active you think about the first time maybe you got a bike as a kid there's obviously something that happens between the young age and then becoming a young adult where you the, the kind of the the risk factor comes in or suddenly you're drawn into another mode of transportation but if, if people can start to find the joy of getting back out on a bike or, or walking i think that'll be a huge win for cities around the world yeah no I'm right there with you. I'm personally a Carlos uh, Angelino, one of the few. And luckily, I'm meeting more and more uh, people who are on the no car life here. And I don't know, I think from an environmental standpoint, something like Strava and a community like that, that is engaging people who might not think that getting out of the car or getting into other forms of transportation, that's, I don't know, to me, that seems like a superpower. Yeah, 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 problem. definitely. And we're, and we're definitely not anti-car in terms yeah, of... totally. The, the because i've got two two young children and, and there are times when i need to put them in the car and we need to drive places and, mm -hmm. and yes there's electric cargo bikes which are amazing but just sometimes having access to a kind of vehicle now of the course, freedom is uh, amazing i'm <laughs> right it's, i am it's, jealous that's the one thing i'm on public transportation <laughs> schedule so uh, i will say freedom <laughs> is what i give up I, yeah i i love I love London and, and I live obviously in one of the major kind of um, you know, global kind of metropolises of, of Greater London, which has got one of the earliest public transportation in London Underground. It's iconic around the world. But of course, that's got capacity limitations. 
as the world starts to reopen and people start to go back to work? Do you want to be in a carriage with, say, 100 other people, pandemic or no pandemic? That wasn't particularly joyful. But if I can get on a bike or walk places safely, then I might just get off a couple of stops early or maybe one day I'm going to ditch the car and I'm going to cycle in to get my kind of activity levels up as well. So I think it's just creating those opportunities in cities to to look at that as well. But certainly one one of the things with, with cars and we look at the, the rise of autonomous vehicle, or sorry, electric vehicles, but autonomous vehicles coming into the, the world is providing that safe space for active travel, which doesn't necessarily have to share the road with the car. Some of the route choice analysis we look at from the Strava community isn't always the most direct route. So what's really interesting when you look at kind of two years worth of Strava data and city kind of planning data is that the origin and the destination point isn't always the straight line route. And cyclists and runners and walkers tend to follow the better quality of geography or, or air quality or infrastructure, depending on kind of where, which route they're choosing. Yeah, no, that's like a super interesting point and not something I maybe like, I think as someone who's in Los Angeles now and thinks about air quality a lot on the West Coast, <laughs> I think that's something that we just have to live with here compared to most U.S. cities. I'm curious, like what other interesting, like maybe insights that like get people out that like cities are discovering from the Strava data sets or like findings or things, are you confirming that maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like things we thought were true and the Strava data sets just proving them true, or it's like things that we had no <laughs> idea this is like what got people active or outside. I think one of the biggest things that we can start to see is the, the gender split when we look at um, safe infrastructure or active these kind of active transportation corridors where it's uh, segregated cycle lanes or at least some sort of bollard um, protecting you from cars where you see that safer infrastructure you undoubtedly see a much better split of rides for, of demographic um, as well so i think that's really key for cities to look at and you take london for example where there's only something like 30 fixed counters around the city of something like 10 million people. How do you capture where everyone is cycling or walking? And, and Strava Metric can help to solve some of those problems alongside other data um, as well. I think what's been really encouraging as well is the switch from, I suppose, so cycling is at the heart of kind of Strava and where Strava started, but we've really started to see a lot more walkers um, and runners onto the platform as well. Yeah. So people joining the community and uploading their walks. I think in the UK, we saw three times the number of walks in 2020 uploaded onto onto Strava, um, which is great. And I think there's something like one in four Strava, I think it's one in four Strava athletes are now in a, in a metro community as well. So in terms of making a difference by uploading their kind of rides or their runs or walks or their activity, it, it's playing a part in, um, in helping improve the cities as well. But yeah, when it comes to air pollution and, and kind of air quality, it, it doesn't surprise you, I'm sure, to hear that obviously where where you start to have low traffic neighborhoods or you have certain restrictions in place you definitely see a boom in in, in people being active and, and choosing to walk or take public transportation um, or, or, or cycle yeah no and it's i don't know and maybe it's just like i'm more clued into like these things now that i live in los angeles and air emissions and stuff are just like on everyone's yeah. minds but like a huge talking point as like the pandemic ramped up was like air quality got a lot better in los angeles county because a lot less cars were on the road um some of the best right. air quality a decade so <laughs> i think that just like goes to show what getting people out of cars or at least t toning down how many miles they're traveling in their cars if there's another mode is 
the power yeah. I see in a platforming community like Strava, but I don't know. I also Definitely. just love working out and getting outside. So I probably am like biased <laughs> to want to like it to begin with. No, for sure. What we don't want to see is I suppose the health benefits and, and both from the mental health and the physical health benefits of, of getting on your bike or, or walking or running, then being completely outdone by the fact that you're breathing in particulate matter from mm -hmm. vehicle emissions. So this goes back to my point about being smart with your, your city planning. Don't necessarily have to put bike lanes right next to high traffic highways or, or kind of routeways. It, it's okay to build safe infrastructure away from those areas and, and perhaps take take people on a bit more of a journey outside of where they might be inhaling vehicle emissions. Because until the world becomes, or, or certainly the North American market and, and the European market becomes you know, infiltrated with more electric vehicles, uh, we're still going to be seeing pollution and air quality play, play a big role in, 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 in active travel. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, is there anything on the horizon for Strava or Strava Metro partnerships that like the urban tech community should be like looking out for any sort of reports or like cool data set? I know you said the data platforms like free and I'm sure probably a lot of the urban planners and city gov people are probably going to go check it out super fast. But like anything, just like people should have on their radars. Yeah, so I think obviously from a metro point of view, we made the plan. We made metro access free to city planners, anyone involved in basically safer infrastructure and, and advocacy work in 2020. But just because we're free, it doesn't mean we're going to stop investing in the uh, in, in the in the product itself. So at the moment, it's. Uh, very good for showing you street counter data, origin destination, popular kind of active travel corridors. But with the product team behind Strava Metro, we're starting to look at ways that we can start to help cities on a mass impact scale. So the same things that London or Paris or San Francisco or Sydney in Australia are asking for are going to be the same things that, say, for example, a small town or a small community in North America or a smaller kind of second tier European city are going to be asking for as well. So we want to hear from Strava um, Metro partners around the world on, on what's missing from this data set. But certainly we're going to make it more easy in the future to, to export data. At the moment, you, you have to export data through a kind of manual download and then re-upload that into to, to kind of GIS software or technical software. So if we can make Strava Metro connect into the world of uh, active travel planning, that's a little bit easier. I think that's something we're, we're really looking to work on. We're really lucky because Strava itself is, is probably more an engineering community, right? We, we the majority mm -hmm. of our staff that make up. The, yeah, explain the, the that to me. I because I probably agree too that it is, but I think the forward-facing brand you would probably misconceive and think it's just a bunch right. of jocks, you know, <laughs> which a lot, I, a I'm more. a part of it, and I am not a jock by any means. So the concept. For, if you talk to Mike, uh, Michael um, Hovath and, and and the two other founders who, who set Strava up really is a, a, an online, I think the way they described it is like online boathouse. Both of them rode crew at Harvard. They left, they set up a business in a separate business after they'd left, left um, Harvard, but realized they were missing that competitive and community element of being as part of a, a sporting community as it was rowing. So I, I think if you think about Strava, you think about that kind of athletic kind of element, which is awesome, but it was... Um, it's the engineering kind of side and, and what we do with the uh, the amazing product team in terms of connecting people with 
other people on the app, but also motivating them to find their personal best as well. So I think that's the secret sauce in Strava is helping people to find joy in, in their activities, but also to connecting other athletes with other athletes that, um, that can help motivate them as well. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, you know, that I understand Strava and like what y'all are doing a lot better now. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. What didn't I ask no, you cool. that I should have? What, what did I miss here? I think in terms of the Metro piece, I mean, like I say, we've got such a wide, we've got something like 4 billion activities now since Strava Metro kind of started. So the data set is, is absolutely huge. So it's the, without a doubt, the, the world's largest active travel set. And we just really want to see cities use this data to, to get involved in active transport planning. But we hope there's an authenticity behind it. I think that's the, the biggest thing. And one of your questions earlier was around like the use of data and planners perhaps being a bit more cynical or, or maybe not you know informed enough to use it. But I think if you can see the authenticity behind the fact that Strava is free at source, it will always be free it's to download. But of course, there's elements of the paid um, products as well that you can subscribe to, which will help with your uh, with your kind of athletic journey but it itself uh, the community is, is is free to to join and then from a metro point of view it's free as well so we think that we've removed a lot of these barriers to to kind of entry when it comes to looking at this active transportation data set and again in, in the world of urban planning procurement is often one of the biggest challenges to to getting city budgets signed off so that's just one less reason um, now to uh, to to, uh, to put up a, a, a kind of reason not to to, to use the uh, data. Yeah, no, I totally agree. This is awesome, Tom. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And next time, when I get ready to start uh, marathon training again, I'm gonna come to you and the Strava team to ask all my questions. So uh, be that, ready. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, John. One final ask before I go: Please continue to share the Urban Tech newsletter and podcast with friends, family, and colleagues. Anyone who could benefit from learning about how tech is changing our cities more and more every day. Thanks, and I'll talk to you soon.